0: Well, indeed, Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Thank you, Sarah, for sharing with us the 10 values and benefits of motherhood. That was truly um, an encouragement and a joy to hear. I would just maybe add one more value and benefit of motherhood, and that's the value and benefit of motherhood to all of us. As we see firsthand the sacrifice and the service that moms render to their children, it humbles us. It teaches us to sacrifice. And it teaches us um, how to serve, how to love others. And uh, I can attest to that at our, our home with Sarin. I love my daughter Elizabeth. Um, but it's just, you know, kind of empty love at times when it's really late in the, in the evening or early in the morning. Um, but Sarin really exemplifies true love. By her tireless and endless um, labor for our daughter, and that humbles me, and that instructs my heart to be a servant all the more. It is said that call to motherhood is a call to suffering, and um, Christ said it is blessed to suffer because you're knowing the power of Christ, and so it is a beautiful thing to see a mom suffer and labor for her. Uh, children, and we thank you for your example to all of us as a a body. encourage you guys, encourage all of you, if you um, have an opportunity to take advantage of that, and to fellowship with moms, to minister to them, to minister with them, and to observe their lives, I know that it will be a blessing to your soul that has been to me as well. Well, in light of the fact that it is Mother's Day, and in light of the the fact that the demographics of Cornerstone is quickly changing. We're, we just finished our premarital um, class last Sunday. Nine meetings for the past three and a half months. So within 11 months, we'll have four new married couples at Cornerstone. We're expecting four babies in 2004 here at Cornerstone, and well, three down and four more to go. Looks like the last one to be born. November by Amy. So the body of Cornerstone is quickly changing. And a lot of the fact that it is Mother's Day thought it was an opportune time for us to revisit our study in Proverbs 31. We first considered its truths uh, several years ago, and so want to study together this morning on the five traits of a godly woman, five characteristics of an excellent wife, five marks to the woman who glorifies God. Now, just a little encouragement, exhortation to the men out there before you tune me out. You know, if you're thinking, oh, I'm I'm 16, or <laughs> I'm single, and I don't have any prospects in the near future, so maybe I can zone out today, or, or so forth. Well, even maybe some husbands out there. You know, you might be tempted to zone out. I, I want to tell you that This teaching is not just for the married women at Cornerstone. It's not just for mothers that are here this morning. But this study in Proverbs 31 is for every believer in this room. Today's teaching has direct relevance to every person that is in our church. Let me go to the five categories that are represented here. First of all, obviously, if you are a wife... Or if you are one of the four engaged ladies here, or five actually, uh, you must be pursuing these characteristics of godliness that are found in Proverbs 31. Being a woman of wisdom, godly character and deep piety are essential to a God-honoring marriage. So you want to really um, have your heart focused this morning. And with deep concentration, consider these traits that we are looking together. Second category for the single women. These characteristics found in Proverbs 31 are marks of maturity. They are marks of spiritual maturity. And they are definitely high standards. And uh, it's going to be a challenge for all the wives and all the moms here. Because no woman is born with these traits. (laughs) Not at all. If any woman possesses these qualities, it means that she has committed herself to a life of discipline, a life of obedience to the scriptures, a life that is fully submitted to the word of God, pointing to the fact that she is a mature believer. So for the single women, you need to look at these traits carefully because whether you, are, whether you will be married or not, you need to be pursuing these traits because these are the marks of a godly woman third group, the husbands here, all of us here who are husbands need to know these traits because it is our responsibility as the shepherds of our home to develop these character qualities in our wives. These are the goals we are to set for ourselves and for our families and for our wives. These are the goals that our wives should be aspiring to. And as their shepherds, we need to know these goals so that we might rightly teach and instruct them in the way that they should go before the Lord. And the fourth group, all you single men out there, I want to ask you this question, what are you looking for? Right, what are the, what's the laundry list that you go through as you consider your future mate? You know, um, what are you looking for? The first five on the list should be from Proverbs 31. And if you forget the five, just remember verse 30. Charm is deceptive and beauty is, beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. All you single men out there, right, don't be influenced, don't conform to the ways of this world. Don't, don't look for things that are fleeting, that are temporal, that have no eternal, lasting, God-honoring value. What should attract you to, other, to a woman is verse 30. A woman who fears the Lord. That should grasp your heart. That should grip your heart. That should be the chief reason for you to court a woman. And the final group, mothers. It is so important that moms are godly, that moms have noble character. I mean, it's important for so many reasons, but the most practical reason, and Sarah alluded to this, is that your children... Depend on it. Your children depend on it. Paul tells of Timothy, how he learned the word of God that gave him wisdom for salvation from his grandmother and mother. It is often the case that the first person that teaches the gospel to to you is your mom. It's, It's my mom. The influence of a mother to her child is undeniable and irreplaceable. President George Washington said, all I am, I owe to my mother. I attribute all my success in life to the moral and intellectual and physical education I received from her. Abraham Lincoln said, All that I am or ever hope to be, I owe to my mother. I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. It is imperative. It is essential that moms are women who deeply love the Lord, or above all, women who fear God because their children depend on it. Oh, with that, turn with me to the last chapter of the book of Proverbs, chapter 31. If we have studied expositionally to the book of Proverbs, we, have, we would have discovered that this book says a lot about women. It says a lot about women. And the book of Proverbs um, contrasts this excellent woman with other kinds of women throughout this book. There are different kinds of women that appear frequently in this book. The first one is the adulteress. She's the opposite of the excellent wife of Proverbs 31. Um, Proverbs 5 speaks to this adulteress, how she flatters with her lips. How she forsakes her covenant with her own husband, how she has lips that drip honey, she's a poison to all God-fearing man. Not only is there the adulterous woman, but there is the quarrelsome woman, the loud, boisterous woman, with whom no one wants to live with her. Proverbs 21:9 says, "Better to live on a corner of the roof than to share a house." than a quarrelsome wife. Proverbs 21.19 It's better to live in the desert than with such a woman. There is another proverb. It's better to face an army of thousands than to face a nagging wife. Hey, where is that army? <laughs> it's a good day to die today. <laughs> there is the foolish woman in Proverbs 14.1 In the excellent wife builds her home up. She edifies her husband. She instructs her children with wisdom. This foolish woman of Proverbs 14.1, you know what she does? She destroys her household. She tears it down with her words, with her attitude, with her, with her life. She destroys her own family. And then there is a disgraceful wife, Proverbs 12.4. She's like decay in the husband's bones. I mean... Proverbs says a lot about these these, such women. But then it culminates in chapter 31. And it talks about this excellent woman. And by culminating with this excellent woman in, in Proverbs 31, it is almost telling us by its position that the height of wisdom, the height of insight and understanding, is seen in a woman and her practices at home. I mean, you want to see wisdom in action. You want to see understanding, insight, foresight. You want to see true fear of God. Go home to, to a place where a woman fears the Lord. And see how she lives. Consider her character. Consider her life. And you will see true wisdom in action. That is what Proverbs declares to us. Now... A quick background on Proverbs 31, verse 1 says, that these are the sayings of King Lemuel, and we're not sure who King Lemuel is. Uh, Most commentators believe it is Solomon himself. Lemuel means uh, devoted to God. Another name for Solomon was Jedidiah, which also meant a a, a lover of God, someone who was devoted to God. So it could be another pseudonym for King Solomon. But we're not exactly sure who this man is, but he is a king. And he tells us, these are the wise sayings that not he made up, not that he discovered. He says in verse 1, these are the wise sayings that his mother taught him. Wisdom that his mom gave to him when he was a young man. And how did she begin to impart this wisdom? She began by saying to herself, verse 2, What, O my son, and what, O son of my womb, and what, O son of my vows? She asked herself these rhetorical questions. She speaks as one considering, what advice shall I give to you? She is choosing out words to reason with him. She is, like Sarah said again, full of concern for her son. She is filled with with anxious thoughts. concerned for his welfare. And she thinks, out of all the instruction and all the wisdom that I have, what shall I say to you? She talks about warnings against adultery in verse 3. In verses verses 4 through 7, she warns him against drunkenness. How that is the downfall of so many men. She talks about verses 8 and 9, the authority that he has as king, and how he needs to use that for right rather than for wrong. And then in verse 10, she realizes, you know what? The most important decision that King Lemuel will make in his life is who he chooses to be his wife. As a person, the most important Christ decision you'll ever make is to follow Christ. For a man, the second most important decision, the determinative decision that you will make, is whom he will marry. So she says, let me just turn my attention to the kind of woman, Lemuel, that you ought to marry. Because she's going to influence you like no one else and she she paints this wonderful picture of a godly woman. And, and I was telling someone what I'm going to preach on this Sunday. And he was kind of joking with me. Wow, you're going to rebuke the moms this morning. And I was like, wow, that's not my heart. That's not my intention. I don't want to stand up here and tell moms or wives or women on Mother's Day <laughs> areas that are falling short. I think um, King Solomon here just paints this beautiful picture of a godly woman. Not as a rebuke, but as a challenge. Five goals, five traits, five characteristics that you ought to strive for, knowing that God will give you the grace and strength day by day. So, in these features, the five marks are, first of all, she is priceless. She is priceless. Secondly, she is a great blessing to her husband. We'll go through these. Thirdly, she is diligently devoted to her household. Fourthly, she is a wise teacher. Fifth mark is that she receives praise from her own family. She receives praise from her own family. Well, let's go to verse 2. King Lemuel says, A wife of noble character, who can find? First mark of a godly wife, godly woman, is that she is priceless. This question, verse 10, intimates that noble, godly women are very rare, very rare. Ungodly women, dime a dozen, right? You can find them everywhere. But to find a woman who fears the Lord, truly fears the Lord, who can find? She is priceless. She is, verse 10, far worth far more than rubies. The rich red ruby is truly a unique gem, and because of their rarity, large rubies surpass diamonds of equal weight and value. Jerusalem Bible translates that she is worth far more than pearls. Consider that only 20 pearls are found in 35,000 pearl oysters. Right? You go through 35,000 oysters and you'll find 20 pearls. Only three of those 20 are gem quality. That's how precious pearls are, how precious rubies are. And Solomon says, King Lemuel says, a godly wife, a wife of noble character is more precious, more rare than even that. So, husbands, if you found a godly wife, you know, wealth and riches are from parents, parents, But a godly wife, it's from the Lord. He didn't earn it, he didn't deserve it, he didn't inherit it. God has given you this gift of a godly wife. Your response to her is to honor her, cherish her, value her, know how precious, know how rare she is in this world. That's your first response to the husbands. I'm rebuking the husbands now this morning, right? (laughs) That's the first response. Secondly, she is a great blessing to her husband. She is a great blessing from the husband. The the husband here in verses 10 through 31 is mentioned three times. And two out of the three times speaks of the benefit that he gains as a husband to this godly woman. Two out of the three so it is clear from this proverb, this chapter, that the first person to benefit from a godly wife is the husband. She is a great blessing to him. Therefore, and again I mean if you rebuke the husbands again. If anyone is encouraging the wife towards godliness, it must be the husband. Right? Why? Because we're Everyone that benefits from a godly woman, godly wife, it's you. You are the one that benefits the most. Therefore, you are the one that should be the most supportive of her in her pursuit of Christ. He will be her greatest supporter. He should be the one who will volunteer to babysit and take care of the child or children, so that she might study the Word, so that she might have time for prayer, so that she might fellowship with other believers. If she shows interest in Christian reading, he should be the one filling her library with Christian books on how to be a godly woman, how to know Scripture, how to study theology. He should be leading family worship diligently, on his knees, praying for her, encouraging her, teaching her the Word of God. Because he is the one who will foremost benefit from her godliness. Therefore, a wise husband will never stand in the way of the wife's pursuit of the Lord. He will be her greatest supporter, her greatest cheerleader in her pursuit of Christ. The Bible talks about, this chapter talks about three blessings to the husband if he is married to a godly woman. Verse 11, the first blessing is that he can completely trust her. She has his complete confidence. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. Now, in the ancient world, the husband-wife relationship was very different. Women were not looked upon as God designed them to be. They were very often looked upon as second-class citizens. They were um, they were considered objects of suspicion, uh, lower intelligence, their loyalty was to be uh, suspected and not trusted. And so, it was common for husbands, we read in ancient documents, that when they would go away for a, a business trip, or go away to visit family, they would lock up all their valuables, or they would entrust their hu- a household to some other servant in the household rather than the wife. But one of the first things that we read in this passage is that the husband doesn't lock anything up because he trusts his wife. The trust is well-founded because she's not going to do anything to harm her family, her husband, her children. It is a relationship based upon trust where the husband's heart is at rest because she is loyal. She is trustworthy. She is faithful and diligent. She is dependable. Therefore, the husband has full confidence in her. He completely trusts her. Second blessing, verse 12. She blesses him for the rest of his life. She does him good and not evil, all the days of her life. The wise mother tells her son, Lemuel, you want a woman who always has your best interests in her heart, who seeks to build you up, whose desire is to make you every bit of the man that you can be in every area. Such a woman, all her life, she is devoted to the well-being of her husband. That is her agenda. Good times, bad times, times of plenty, times of little, times of sadness or happiness, sick or well. Her love is ever and always devoted to her husband. Her love is so deep. Her love is so pure that it never changes throughout her whole life. So the husband is supremely blessed. Not only does he have full confidence in her, her, but he has someone who is a loyal partner for his whole life. Good and bad. Good years, bad years. Good decades, bad decades. He knows she will be by his side. Third blessing is that he gains standing in their community because of her. He gains standing. He gains honor in their community because of her. Going on to verse 23. "Her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land." It's such an important statement at first tells us that he has the respect of the elders of the city. Not only that, he is one of the elders. Now, inside the gates of ancient cities, there would be sort of a patio area where the elders would gather every day. And these would be the judges, the rulers, the leaders of the city. And they would decide on matters that came up every day. City disputes. It was like an open court. Hearings were made and they made important decisions. And business was carried out the elders of the city, the mature men of the city would gather and sit in that place and they would render judgment. The point is that this man has a great reputation among the leaders of the city to a such point that he is one of the elders. His reputation is high among the city. Why? Because his wife honors him publicly because his wife respects him, submits to him, and honors him and praises him in the community. This godly woman, she's not competing with her husband. She's not out there for herself. She's not out there to make a name for herself and to have her own agenda and own aspirations and own dreams and hopes. Her heart beats to help him. She is devoted to him. Her desire is to fulfill her role as his greatest helper. We're interviewing a couple yesterday and we're asking a wife how we can pray for her. And her words were just repetitive. And she was saying, I just want to be a good helper to my husband. I want to help him. I want to serve him. I want to encourage him. I want to be the platform where... Upon which he can really launch off in his life and ministry. Pray for me that I'll be a good helper to my husband. And I was so encouraged by that. I was so blessed. That tells me that her heart is God's heart because that was God's heart in creating Eve to be Adam's helper. Look at this woman. Here she is. She is smart. She's disciplined. She's industrious. She is street savvy. We'll learn later on that she has, uh, street smart. She's a businesswoman. She buys and sells land. Right? She's buying and selling commodities of fields and, and fruit and crops. She is obviously spiritually, physically, emotionally, mentally strong. She's got her life in order. She's on top of everything. But, how does she relate to her husband? she's not the one in authority of her household. She's not wearing the pants. She's not bossing her husband around, ordering him around, disrespecting him privately or publicly. She's not refusing to submit to his authority because she is wiser or she's smarter or she has greater abilities. No, she is submitting to him. She's respecting him. She is praising him privately and publicly. And how do I know that? I know that because her husband is respected at the city gate. He is sitting as one of the elders of the land. Brothers and sisters, you can bank on this. This is truth. Men do not respect a man if he is not a leader in his home. Period. A man does not respect a man if he's not wearing the pants of his own in his own household. Right? A man who is not leading in the home, but he is being led. A man who is not being the influencer, but he is being influenced. A man who is not respected by his own wife, is never respected by the world. And is never respected by other men. But look at this man. He is respected because here is this godly woman, woman and as often as is the case, she is probably maybe smarter than the husband, more disciplined, more diligent, more godly. She has more street smart, she's maybe praying more. It's often true. Right? Yet she honors him. She's not boasting of her own accomplishments in public. She's not complete competing with her husband. And she's not uh, denigrating her husband and, and, and uh, mocking him. No, she gives credit and honor to her husband, whereby the whole city says, This guy, this guy's special. This guy's worthy of respect. Just look at this awesome woman. And look how she. Relates to him. She relates to him. She brings respect to her hu- husband from the community because of her life, and that's the dance that we exhort our premarital couples. That's the dance that we want to see them um, dance to. Where the husband he leads the dance by praising his wife, right? He. Pr- Privately, one-on-one, appreciates her, esteems her, blesses her and tells her repeatedly just how well she is doing in so many areas of life. Before the children, the husband is not scoffing or mocking his, his wife. Or he is praising her before the children. And even in public, the husband is praising his wife that's how the husband leads the family and what is the wife's response godly wife doesn't take credit for anything in the home she gives him all the credit all the honor all the credit for everything that's going well in the home so the family is doing well spiritually their finances are in order relationally things are going well she says it's because of my husband all because of him she adores and respects him with every opportunity. First mark is that she is priceless. Second is that she is a great blessing. Third mark of a godly wife is that she is diligently devoted to her household. Diligently devoted to her household. Another way to put it is she's not lazy at home. She's not lazy at home. According to God's will, this woman is devoted to her home. She is a Titus to woman. She is a worker at home. She is diligent. She is busy. She spends herself, gives herself for her own household. She manages manages her household well. She is diligently devoted to her family. Verse 13 tells us that she is involved in making thread out of wool and flax or linen. Tells us she has no place in her life for self-indulgence. No place for laziness. No place for inactivity. She is full of energy and activity and duties of her home. She finds joy in her labor at home. Why? Because ultimately she is doing it for God. And practically, she loves the people for whom she does it. It is her love for a husband, her love for her children that drives her diligence at home. The Syriac version says in verse 13 that her hands are active after the pleasures of her heart. She loves serving at home. She loves her work at home because she loves her family. She loves her husband its value is connected to whom she does it for. Because she is so devoted to her husband and her children, she willingly denies herself every day and takes on the most menial of tasks with the greatest amount of pleasure because she understands that they are an outgrowth of her deep love for those people in her family. And I can testify to that. After a long day of ministry, you know, ministering and preaching, meeting people, rebuking people, correcting people, praying for people, making decisions ministry-wise, and I come home, and our home is clean, right? Things are in order. Elizabeth is neat and sitting and reading her Bible. Right. Maybe not that, but Elizabeth is neat, right? And uh, you know, food is prepared. I mean, I, I, I just sense, it's such an encouragement to me. It, I sense her love for God. I, I see God's glory. I see the beauty of Scripture. I see her love for me, her love for a household. I can testify to this, that a godly woman is diligent at right. home. Look at verse 16. She's an entrepreneur. She considers a field and buys it. She's involved in finances. She's involved in business. But they're an extension of her family. It's not apart from the family. Within her household, she assesses the price and the value of the field. She considers the benefit it will bring to her family. She decides, as she manages her her family's account, that it's an appropriate, wise thing to do. She talks to the owner of the field. They look at the contract. She reads the fine print. She considers the interest rate if there's a a loan. She signs the contract on behalf of the household. And she makes the purchase. She's a very enterprising lady. She does all of this. Why? Because she's devoted to the growth and edification of her family. She is priceless, a source of immeasurable blessing to her family. She is devoted to her family and household Fourth mark is that she is a wise teacher. Fourth mark, she is a wise teacher of God's Word. Verse 26, she speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. W.R. Wallace said, The hand that rocks the cradle is the hand that rules the world. G. Campbell Morgan had three brothers who were all preachers. They all taught the Word of God throughout this country. Someone asked who is the best preacher in the family? And they said it's easy. Our mom. She's by far the best teacher, best preacher of God's word. She raised four preachers. Charles Adam Spurgeon said, I cannot tell you how much I owe to the solemn word of my good mother. She is a wise teacher. She is an instructor. You know, where churches might scratch the surface of children in Sunday school, at home, mom is digging a well with the Word of God. I mean, how important is it for moms to know deep theology, for them to know doctrine, for them to know how to exegete verses, for them to be reading oh, lofty, scripture filled, scripture bathed books, because she must be a wise teacher. And then finally, the final mark of a godly wife, godly mother, is that she receives praise from her own family. She receives praise from her own family, community, and from the Lord. Because of her devotion to God, devotion to her family. Verse 28, her children rise up and bless her her husband also, he rises and he praises her. And the whole family in unison, they say, many women have done nobly, but you excel them all. And there's the reward. That's the reward for godly woman. She has given to them everything. And what does she get back? A pension plan? No. you know, 401k? Two weeks in a tropical island? No. She receives what is most valuable, most precious. Her family rises up and they bless her. They praise her name. They reverence her. They literally, they honor her. They value her. They hold her in high esteem. Because she has, for all her life, set aside her own comfort. For them, she receives from them this supreme blessing. That's how it ought to be. And as she becomes older, and as her children grow, the honor grows, the appreciation grows, from her husband and from her children. Not only that, it'll double once her children have children of their own. You know, we experienced this with Serena's. She's caring for Elizabeth. She's recollecting, wow, my, my mom must have done this for me. I remember my mom teaching me this. I remember my mom feeding me this fruit or caring for me in this way. And we, we honor our moms as we recollect the countless sacrifices and services they render to us. Therefore, in a renewed sense, our mom's are constantly before our eyes. Their tender counsel, their wise guidance, their loving discipline, holy example, hard work, unselfish giving, all of these things never cease to fill the memories of our children. And that's how intergenerationally praises of the mom gets passed down. Let me tell you, let me tell you this, no woman in the workplace, can ever have that kind of influence. No woman in the workplace can ever have that kind of influence. If you start working for IBM, don't worry, they'll still make computers. You know, If you start working for AT&T, they'll still connect the calls. They'll still sell wireless phones. Right? No no company is going to, at the end of your life, give you such blessing, such praise. You can never have the influence apart from the influence that God intended at home to your husband and to your children and that is understood even by the secular world. Jane Swift, governor of Massachusetts, she dropped out of her state's gubernatorial race in March, last March, when she gave birth to twins. She said between parenting and campaigning, something had to give. There's not even a question for her. Candace Olson, CEO of the women's website iVillage, left in 2000 so that she might be a full time mom to her children who are seven and eight years old. Patty Stonecipher, Microsoft's top female executive, she quit her all absorbing career, in her words, in 1997. Why? For her family. Mrs. Mary Frances Winters, columnist for USA Today, wrote this two years ago on May 10th. She wrote, As I watched my daughter walk across the stage this month to receive her degree from Georgia Tech, I could not help but think how quickly the time had gone and how much of her growing up I missed because I was so busy launching and managing my small business. She asks herself, can we have it all? We should consider, do we need it all? Do our wants exceed our needs? And she says, and she confesses in USA Today before the whole world, I know that mine did. If there is one thing that I regret in my life, it is that I did not make family the most important priority during my children's early years. As others who have given it up to be with their children have taught us, she closes, it is never too late. It is never too late. This godly wife leaves a lasting legacy of praise. Generations after generations, praise her name because of her life devoted to God, devoted to her family, Therefore, Lemuel's mom concludes in verse 30, charm is deceptive. Talk about outward beauty. Beauty is fleeting. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Lemuel's mother is saying to her son, find the woman who fears the Lord. You will find the beginning of wisdom. You will find greatest blessing the greatest blessing you will find in the world find in life it is our humble prayer that God will raise up such women, such wives and such moms at our church as we honor our moms today let's pray for them that God might grow these characteristics in their lives Lord, we want to thank you for the women at Cornerstone. want to thank you for all the wives here and all the moms. Lord, they truly are a source of encouragement and strength to all of us as we see them labor for you and labor for their families. Lord, we are humbled and broken just by the grace you've given them to strive after these traits. Lord, we, we humbly pray that if any heart here is struggling with these traits, being influenced by this world, influenced by our society, influenced by wrong examples, Lord, you would change their hearts by the Holy Spirit. Lord, it would not be a begrudging, begrudging change, but it would be at the core of their heart you would transform them and cause them to see the beauty of the role that you have given to them. The unique privilege of being a woman, of being a wife, of being a mom. And that this is God's will for them. This is how they might glorify you and honor you. And that when they do this, people praise you all the more. Lord, you would change any heart. That does not fully submit to these truths. For the women that are, are seeking to grow in these areas and might be discouraged at this stage because it seems that um, these marks are so so high and so lofty. Lord, that is our confession. Every time we study the Word of God, that these standards are too high for all of us, that we are lowly sinners. Um, unable to grow in these areas. Lord, help all of us and help the moms and the wives to just trust in You. Not to trust in themselves, but to trust in You. Knowing that You are the author and the perfecter of our faith. That You who began the work in us will carry it on to completion. That You are at work in us to will and to act according to Your good purpose. That by our faith in You and Your power, Lord, You would in going measure, cause these traits to be present in the women of our church. Lord, we thank you for them. May as we as a church be on our knees in prayers for them, and with our, with our lips and with our lives, honor them as is fitting in the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.